Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, today we've, um, we've got a special guest, um, been on the podcast I think two or three times now, Jonathan Bell from Bell Estate, welcome. Thank you so much, looking forward to chatting about the rental market. Yeah, another rental market update and um, boy, I know with our most recent market update, we have been talking about the rental crisis here in Brisbane with vacancy trending so low. Jonathan is here to share his intel. Uh, He runs his agency, Bell Estate Agents, uh, focusing purely on property management, but he's got a broad um, cross-section of the market across Brisbane. He's able to help us understand what's happening in various segments, in various product types as well, uh, because I think that this type of information, the real information is what's most relevant. And as you know, with our podcast, it's always about reporting on the truth. And um, today you're going to get it here from Jonathan. So it's obviously an interesting time. We've we've talked about this, as Melinda said in our um, market update, that vacancy rates are just uh, amazingly low at the moment. Incredible. Um, I, I've sort of mentioned something at times about opportunity for investors to buy and um, pretty good time because you'll get a tenant. So, Jonathan, can you give us a bit of an update on what's happening out there? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, last time we spoke was in January. So since then, we've had the major floods. Um, so And the vacancy rates I've seen have continued to, to reduce. So it's been a really interesting six months. I've seen demand has continued to increase and I've seen a lack of supply. So I think vacancy rates last time we chatted were 1% or just around the 1% and now they're 0.5 to 0.6%, which is pretty incredible across Brisbane. And of course, that's, you know, citywide. And we look at vacancy rates, you know, in regional areas or in each region of Brisbane um, or even at a suburb level. And it, it, it's quite dire in some instances, 0.1, 0.2. There's literally nothing to rent. And of course, like any um, economic principle, when supply is low and remembering that vacancy rates uh, is an indication of the supply level. So a low vacancy rate indicates very low supply. When vacancy is low um, and you've got high demand, that's why we're seeing this upward pressure on rents. And in some areas, Jonathan, as as you would have seen, um, the the rate of rent is increasing very quickly. Yeah, it is. And um, even with our tenants, um, we're sending them lease renewals with increase in rents to, to market value. Um, and I think they're a bit shocked at what they are and, and say no. And then they go and look on realestate.com and on the open market and they come back a week later and actually accept the offer. So they're noticing what's out there is um, that they're realigning their expectations and there's been a, a big shift in what, what you can rent in Brisbane. So we, we spoke in, um, you said we spoke in January. Yep. It was the last time. It's amazing what's happened since then. Mm. You know, with, with the construction industry the way it is, the, the floods that hit Brisbane as well. Um, we, we've always talked about migration, the amount of people wanting to move up here, and we don't we don't always don't blame them for that because yep. it's, it's affordable <laughs> in the lifestyle, as we talk about. Um, it, it's amazing the things that have changed in that time period. And, and we also back, wasn't that long ago, when the, we talked about the Brisbane um, city being something like 14% vacancy rate and it now it's down around that one percent mm-hmm. yeah if that and it's um i think the lack of the lack of supply so the floods has knocked out a lot of properties to rent um and then there's not much construction going on because of the costs and a little bit of uncertainty so the supply is so low across the board and then it's not coming either and demand continues to increase so um it'll be a really interesting few years i really believe that brisbane rental market is continue is going to continue to increase 
and I can't I can't see any changes in the near future. And the issue there, of course, for anyone that is a tenant um, and is in that rental market, uh, there will be affordability constraints mm-hmm. at some point where people just can't afford to pay more mm-hmm. rent. And you know, this is this is a major concern for people in that market. You know, and I do follow a lot of. Uh, information comments that people put in in response to news articles etc around how greedy landlords are because they're putting rents up the reality is landlords are not putting rents up because interest rates are increasing that's not the case Um, rents are increasing because of the supply and demand metrics this is a, a a huge issue that's been developing for a number of years whereby we just haven't actually um, created enough rental supply. Now, governments are not doing much to, to put more stock um, into the rental market through government housing. Uh, so they are relying on private landlords, so mum and dad investors, to provide the rental accommodation. And yet, over recent years, the mum and dad investors um, are almost being penalised um, or disincentivized to you know, become investors through higher interest rates. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people may have decided that you know property is not for them as an investment tool and yet here we are in a situation where there's such low rental supply that rents are increasing you know between 15 20 percent in some instances over a 12 month period Uh, and yet the media is focused on affordability for people to you know be able to hold you know property here we've got a situation where you know the rent increase is well and truly sufficient to cover the interest rate increase that's happening happening around us. Jonathan, are you seeing you know the same? I think you've got some numbers around that. Yeah, I, I was doing some numbers on it because I think it's it's fascinating how people are talking about um, these interest rate rises, but not in reflection to what the rental increases are. So I, I put if you've got a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan um, at four percent, that's interest repayments of thirty thousand dollars a year. And then at 4.5%, that's $33,750. So it's three and a half, around $3,500 additional a year. But then you look at um, a rent between $700 to $770, um, you're actually making more if you get a 10% increase on your rents, which we've seen in the last six months anyway. Mm. So you're actually, you're, you're year, I'm noticing yields are actually getting better, yep. even though the rental, um, the interest rates are going up. So, um, and, and I think that's what I'm noticing is, savvy and smart investors are now entering the market because they're seeing yields being increased Um, and then the investors that are panicking are the ones getting out of the market but they're the ones who are not benefiting from this rental crisis so so where are all the tenants coming from i know we talked we mentioned things like construction floods migration is that they probably the big three yeah they are yeah and so migration was massive um just post COVID, there's a lot of that was probably the majority of the market but now we're seeing it from everywhere there's there's people who have decided not to buy because there's a little bit of uncertainty um, we're seeing people who have got out of the who, have, who are selling because of the uncertainty and getting into the rental market migration um, people who um, are renovating or buildings being delayed so it's coming across all platforms can I also ask Jonathan um, because what we're starting to see in Brisbane is that quality properties um, that are listed for sale are um, potentially not selling. Buyers are very nervous. Uh, sellers are not prepared to lower their price. There's no urgency to sell. Are you having any? Are you seeing any landlords come to you to say, "Look, I tried to sell, uh, but I didn't achieve the price that I was wanting to achieve. So I'm just going to rent for a while and ride out this uncertain period." Is that sort of happening across your books? It is. Yeah, first time since COVID. So wow. the last time I actually went into a house for a similar situation where it didn't sell at auction or it didn't sell um, was in COVID, and then it's happened five times in the last month. Wow. We've got people who have who've said, oh, it's not selling, or they're at least calling you. 
two weeks into the campaign, they say, hey, if it doesn't sell, how much would it rent for? So um, that's the first time we've really had that since COVID. So, so they, they don't have to sell? No, they don't. No. no. And they're just, they're, they're, what they're th- saying is let's ride out the next 12, 18 months, yep. we'll put tenants in, then we'll put it back on the market. And it, exactly the same thing happened in COVID. And then you can see the increase in what happened since COVID as well. <laughs> so they won't sell, but they'll put it in the rental market and probably actually increase their rent yep. <laughs> because of the demand on the range. Yep. And then come back 12 months later yep. and, and just sit on the market and wait for things to, to move along. And we noticed the same thing um, when COVID hit. People did the same thing. We'll rent it out for 12 months and then they sold it 12 months later for a, a big profit. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And what's interesting is that, you know, they're not selling because there's not buyers in the market. It's just that buyers aren't prepared to pay what they expect their property to be valued at. They're not prepared to lower their price. So there's no forced selling requirement. They're simply just saying, let's just hold, sit on the sidelines for yep. a while and, and putting it on the rental market. And, and what, you know, a clever strategy for people that have the capacity to be able to hold those properties because you, you're getting a strong rental income during that period that you choose to hold. So what what sort of properties? Um, what's what's the flavour at the moment? We I think a while ago this was uh, this was probably COVID. I think when we chatted, yep. this was quite a while ago. I remember having a chat with you, and you said that the the high end homes that people can work from home because that was what we we're all doing. Yep. Um, probably I heard on the news uh, on the radio that they um, they're encouraging people now to start working from home and wearing masks again because of the COVID outbreaks that are happening. Are they still the flavour, those high-end homes that you can work from home? They are, but um, to my surprise, townhouses and units um, in good locations have have really increased in, in rents. So that's where I'm seeing a lot of demand. And I think it's because the price of housing has become a little bit unaffordable to some. So now they're moving into, they're realigning their expectations to townhouses and apartments. I like how you put in good locations. On yes. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, high-end executive homes have and I think will continue to perform really well. Yep. You don't, for, for a new four to five bed, two to three bath, again, in a good location, um, you won't get it for less than $1,500 a week. So the, so the unit townhouses, when, when you talked about the affordability, mm. that's obviously one part of it. What about for a, a tenants talking about things like maintenance on units because there's less, less maintenance on them? Is that another thing that's encouraging to go towards that side of the market as well? Yeah, I think so. I think that just the lifestyle. Yep. I think if you can if you can spend five fifty on a on a two bed two bath um, within ten kilometers of the city, um, the only house you can get um, within that radius would be around a thousand dollars. So I think that um, the lifestyle you get to be closer to the city, it's more modern. Um, and I think people are noticing that they can live a, a similar life in a unit or townhouse. What's really interesting there is that you know if you've been listening to our podcast, you would have heard us in the last six months talking about the shift in demand. Um, by buyers looking to enter the market, that shift going through towards townhouses especially, but also units. Um, And we have also commented on the fact that we believe that is due to affordability. People are no longer wanting to compromise on location as we've sort of recovered um, from the worst impact that COVID has had on our lifestyles. I think we've become more immune to the the effects of COVID. So people are now looking back at those lifestyle precincts. They're wanting to be part of the action. They're wanting to be in those local cafe precincts um, and therefore the demand has shifted. Now that's coming through in price increases in that market um, over and above price increases in the housing market. So from what you're saying, that's also happening in the rental market and, Definitely. and coming through in, in rising rents in that segment of the market as well. Yeah, they used to be the most challenging to rent, um, but now we're finding them that we're getting five, six, seven people through all the opens and, and applications after the first viewing. 
And do you think that, because I know that we can look at the inner city market in Brisbane and we know that there's a lot of high density unit development in that market. And as Scott mentioned just a little while ago, during the peak of COVID, vacancy in the inner city market here in Brisbane was in excess of 14%. That's now dropped to closer to 1%. Um, so we've seen a huge number of people move back in towards the CBD. Are you finding that's as a result of borders, international borders being open and, and their international migrants coming back in? Or is that just people wanting to get back into the lifestyle hubs? I think the lifestyle hubs. I think there is definitely some um, international migration occurring, but not not significant. Yeah. So I think people are just wanting to live closer to the city. And, and I think workplaces are now asking people to have more of a hybrid where they're working from home, but also have to go to the office. Um, like we had a we had a landlord who moved from Victoria into his investment property in Brisbane because he thought he could work from home. And then his office said, sorry, you need to come back to Melbourne. So he's he's going back to Melbourne and re-renting it out. So I think the hybrid model and the um, offices are now wanting people to go back to work. So it's creating a bit more demand in those spaces. In that that international side of it, has there, obviously the, the trend has probably changed because of COVID, but was there ever a trend of what time the international migration side of thing would would increase? Is it, a, is it a winter, summer thing or is it? It's around the universities yep. usually. It's around universities. So um, like um, Kelvin Grove got absolutely smashed throughout the um, COVID period because everyone went home. Yep. So you always want to be putting that online um, just before the semesters start um, to be making sure that you're getting all these international students rent them because, but then also two weeks into the semester, if you haven't rented it, it's really tough to rent it because everyone's got their accommodation. Yeah, so if we're sitting in winter now and say come in a few months' time when it warms up again and, and summertime hits, is yep. that the international side of things? Is yep. that going to pick up again? Yes. Which is going to put more pressure on a market that is already at capacity. Already at capacity at 100, the 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I mentioned earlier things like maintenance. Obviously, yep. um, <clears throat> I get heavily involved with you guys with, with lots of properties that we yep. help our clients with. What's happening on the maintenance side of it? Um, what's your recommendations? Or yep. it's probably it's probably been um, our biggest challenge, and I've spoken to a lot of landlords about this. The biggest challenge we've had over the last twelve months is the building crisis. Um, the rental market's been extremely strong, but the building crisis has meant that there's been delays of getting quotes. Tradies are the busiest they've ever been, um, so their prices have naturally gone up again. Supply, supply and demand, and demand. <laughs> so yeah. their prices have gone up. So. Again, we're like getting free quotes is getting harder and harder, which mm. typically in the last decade has not been an issue at all. Mm. Um, tenants have been frustrated because it takes longer to get the work done and longer for the quotes. So um, my recommendation is um, for or what we're doing to, to combat it is build really good relationships with our tradies and really ask them, you know, we're looking after them um, and then in years to come, we're going to look after them if they look after us. Yeah. Um, and then for landlords is to really be proactive instead of being reactive. So at routine inspections, find out what work needs to get done in the coming 12 months and then plan to get plan. it done yeah. rather than just waiting for issues to occur. I think that's really important. So a little bit of preventative maintenance probably as well. Definitely. Yeah. Especially because you're going to pay such a premium if there's an issue that needs to get fixed in the next 12, you know, in the next um few weeks you're going to pay such a premium for it yeah. builders are booked out for months in advance. i've always said to people with that preventative maintenance it's easier to repair something than to replace it sorry cheaper i should say yeah. to repair something than probably than to replace it yeah. because by the time it gets to a stage where it's completely rotten or whatever it may be it's a lot more work yeah so if you can get your trades in you can do that preventative maintenance keep things up to speed um, yeah. it, it'll save you money in the long run as well yeah exactly and with this obviously you know 
inability to, to lock in a builder or, you know, difficulty even just to get a quote. I'm assuming any people that have rental properties that are looking to do major works like kitchens and bathrooms, uh, timing is everything, right? And, you know, whilst you, you'll get a tenant regardless at the moment, um, it's always weighing up how much extra rent is that going to generate versus how much extra time is my property going to be vacant mm. whilst I wait for these builders to get the work done because they might have a lot of jobs running concurrently and therefore not be as um, as quick to turn around a project. So timing yeah. is everything because time is money. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, that's a really good point. And that's what I'm saying to landlords as well is that unless it needs to get done or it's preventative maintenance, don't do it. We've got, you're getting such good rental returns. Um, why would you pay an extra 30% for materials? Why would you have to sp- what, keep it vacant for an extra two to three weeks because mm. we're so busy? right out the next 12 months and then when things cool down in that space hopefully they do um Mm. then get that work done it's good good advice in fact and you know essential updates only do what needs to be done and potentially any major works um put that off until you have the capacity to be able to lock in a builder and and you know that that builder will get in and get out very quickly um therefore reducing your vacancy cost as well yep now, I, I just want Melinda sort of touched there on on the essential work only. I know there's a few legislation changes um, that you've, you've mentioned. Yep. Um, do you want to start with the building side of it? There's obviously a few there that we need to update people on yeah. when they're coming in and what it is. Yep. So I think the, the most pressing is um, leases and pets, and then um, then we can touch on the minimum housing standards as well. Yeah. But I think um, there are there's a few documentations that um, if, if you reach out, I'm more than happy to share that's got all of the um, all the changes, but really simply um, with leases, the most important thing is that if it's an um, investment property, is not to have it as a periodic lease. If it's if you um, if it is a periodic lease, basically what that means is you can only get the tenant out um, if you're doing a major renovation or you're selling. If it's a fixed term lease, you only have to give two months notice at the end of the lease. So it's really important that. Um, towards you know from now onwards you're getting all of the tenants onto periodic lease onto fixed terms leases not periodic that's a really critical piece of information there for anyone that um, missed that jonathan's got a very valid point Um, and hopefully whoever your property manager is if you do own property here in queensland they are alerting you to this issue so if you are on a periodic tenancy agreement it's going to be so much harder to Um, ask your tenants to leave the property. There's only certain grounds upon which they can um, be required to vacate. So therefore, now is the time to be converting any periodic tenancy agreements over to fixed term agreements. And if this is all mumble jumble to you and you don't know what we're talking about, get onto your property manager and have this conversation because it's absolutely critical that you retain your right as a landlord to move a tenant on in the event that you uh, want, you know, to do anything with your property yeah, and exactly. you want to maintain control of your property. And, and if they're not looking after it or you're not getting the rent you want, if you're not in a position where you can make changes, then I think it's it's quite dangerous. Sure. Um, and, and a periodic lease is when you've got a start date. So say it's the, the 1st of September 2021 to the 1st of September 2022. Um, as of the 2nd of September, you're then on a periodic lease. So when you expire your end of your fixed term lease it then moves on to a periodic lease and technically that's like a month to month arrangement yes yeah Yeah. so when does that come in play or it is yep that comes into play toward in the um, third quarter of this year yep 
Okay, and the pets, you touched on that? Yep, so pets is, um, so basically you can't say no to, to pets mm-hmm. without grounds anymore. So basically what that means is that if a tenant applies for a property um, and then after moving in, they say, I want to get a pet, unless um, there's council regulation, body corporate regulation, or they're going to cause significant damage to the property or the property's not fit for a pet, um, you basically have to say yes. Wow. So um, I personally don't think there'll be any issues with it because you can now, the most important thing is to have special conditions in your lease that says that if they make damage to the property that they have to pay for it. Yeah. So I, I personally don't think it's something that you have to be worried about. I just think it's something you have to be strategic about. Um, and the feedback I'm giving to landlords is that if you get an application with a, a cavoodle that's eight years old compared to someone without a pet, you'd probably actually go for the person with the cavoodle because they've got a track record. Yeah. Um, and you can actually get a reference check on that pet rather than someone who says they don't have a pet because um, either they're going to get a puppy or they may have a pet and not telling you about it. That's interesting. So basically you're saying uh, applications that come from tenants who already own a pet um, potentially could be more favourably received because that pet will also have a track record mm. based on previous mm. you know tenancy agreements that they've been a part of whereas someone that doesn't have a pet that may be looking to get a pet you can't then say no to that pet yeah but there's no guarantee what that pet would be like so mm. you're effectively the guinea pig in in that situation so you're taking on more risk and of course what we're wanting to do is minimize risk as property investors as well so that's an interesting perspective but certainly makes sense so yeah not having a pet they could bring a puppy on board and Puppies choosings and yeah, and I, I <laughs> and think all of, yeah exactly, and I think all of these um, all these changes are really um, emphasizing the importance of having a proactive property manager. So if you have a, a pet, if they have a pet, then making sure that you're doing routine inspections every three mm-hmm. months to check any damage. If there is damage, then breaching the tenants to make sure they fix it and not letting it slowly get worse, get worse mm-hmm. because you can only hold four weeks bond. So a pet can do more damage than that. So you need to make sure you're rectifying those issues throughout the tenancy, not only at the end of the tenancy. And you mentioned there also just making sure you're inserting special conditions into the lease agreement to cover um, yourself as a landlord. And, of course, that's something that you would help your uh, landlords with. Um, Again, if you're working with a good property manager, they should be advising you in this regard. So make sure that you're asking the right questions um, or if, if there's no, if there's silence over these sorts of things, um, make sure you're working or partnering with a property manager that actually looks after your asset and, and is not just there to collect your, your commission on a weekly or monthly basis. Yep. And encourage pet fish, maybe. Yeah, there you go. Or a bird. Minimum standards was another one. Yeah, this is probably the biggest one. Yep. Um, so this comes into effect um, in, so the, the prescribed um, changes come into effect on the 1st of October but the actual chain, the actual impact comes in the 2023. So you do have 12 months um, and, and they're all um, common sense, but basically the house has to prescribe to the minimum standards and, and things include um, weatherproofing, um, the fixtures and fittings have to be in good repair, the locks have to work, there's no mould and the kitchen and laundry must be functioning with all the um, cooktop and everything. So they're all standard things. It's more the fact that if you're not prescribing to those, the tenant can vacate. So a new legislation is going to come out that if the if there's issues with the property within the first three months, the tenant can give seven days notice and get out. Wow. Um, so they're really um, strengthening the legislation to protect the tenant. And also if you false advertise the property, you say there's a pool and there's not, they can give seven days notice and they're out. 
So it's really important to make sure that before you put a tenant in place, you um, you use a buyer's agent that is going to buy the right property, yeah. um, or you do the work to the property before the tenant moves in. Otherwise, you're going to cause damage. You're going to you're going to create more problems as the tenant moves in. How have you found? Um, is, is there been anything? Um, since the floods, I suppose it's we're talking back in February now, so yep. it's a while ago, with the mould side of things. Yeah. Because we had a lot of rain for months. I think it was months. It last, felt like it lasted forever. Um, what's happened on that? Is it, have you noticed a bit of mould around the place? Oh, like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was significant. It was um, we had mould companies emailing us saying we can't do work for the next three months. I think every property in Queensland really had some sort yeah. of mould issue. Um, but, yeah, we, we've tackled it. It's, it's not as big of an issue anymore but again it was just about communicating with the tenant educating the tenant on what they could do and then also educating the landlord on what they could do to, to fix it as well so it was everyone had to come to the party yeah i'm just going to circle back to one thing you mentioned there jonathan um and it is around the minimum housing standards no longer will you be able to hold an asset that's a rundown property and allow a tenant to occupy that um, in a way that's legal. Mm. It's technically going to be illegal to provide housing accommodation to people where that house does not meet the minimum standards. So you raised a point there around, you know, people that are buying investment properties, especially if they're buying sight unseen. Um, it's absolutely critical that you're buying a property that will comply with these housing standards or alternatively, you're going to be up for some significant costs in, in doing some upgrades to ensure a property does comply I assume already just based on the number of homes that we inspect and the number of properties that we just completely say no to on the basis of its condition, um, there's going to be a lot of homes currently that are in the rental pool right now that need major upgrades between now and when these minimum housing standards come into effect in October 2023. Um, and we're already in a construction crisis. So yeah. I'm assuming people will need to plan ahead and start thinking about these upgrades sooner rather than later. Definitely. And the emergency maintenance that a tenant can do on the property, um, if there's an issue, is up to four weeks, is going to go to four weeks rent. Right. So they can spend, so say it's $1,000 a week, they can spend $4,000 on the property um, as an emergency maintenance if something's gone wrong. Mm. Um, and you and you can imagine the cost you can imagine the excess your pay is if it is an emergency if it's after hours and the tenant chooses the supplier yeah of course yeah. so they're not going to get as much work for you for your dollar yeah. and that's at the landlord's expense if yeah. it is considered emergency yeah so, so good quality pr property is is vital and and i know in the past there's been um landlords who want to rent a property out for 12 months before they knock it down um, and they don't want to spend a dollar on it i think mm. those days are going to diminish yeah. And with the amount of rain that we've had, you know, having a property that meets the minimum housing standards, it must be waterproof. So you can't have any leak leakages anywhere in the property. Locks on not just doors, but windows. There's so many properties that we see that don't have locks on windows. You yeah. know, these are all, they're little things. But when you combine all of these small maintenance items, they do add up. And yeah. I think it's so important for landlords to be aware that these Tenancy laws are coming in and you must be proactive in preparing your property for this. And if you are looking to buy an investment property between now and next October, make sure that you are, you know, considering these minimum housing standards. Otherwise, you're going to have to add on the cost to whatever you pay to ensure that your property does comply or you effectively won't be able to rent it out in a way that's going to be legal. I know that when we look at properties, um, Jonathan, and when we purchase for our clients, We'll give them ideas and tips on things like that that can improve the property, make it more rent ready, make it more appealing um, and things like that. And we can help organise that for the client so that when the property settles, we get the trades in straight away do the work. 
I think probably two things that really I picked up here is, you know, and I, I keep, as I said before, good opportunity, I think, to, to buy in good investment, good investment properties. Um, two things I really picked up here was, as you said, location, in a really good location, yeah. and the quality of the, 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 um, the product itself. Um, if you get a good quality product in a good location, it's going to rent. 100%. Yeah, and they're performing better than any other property. Yeah. And what about the future? You know, I mean, I can look forward at the next three years and, and you know, immediately I wonder where is the supply coming from? You know, property investors are being discouraged um, as we continue to move forward and there's so much, you know, fear and uncertainty and fear-mongering in the market that perhaps people, you know, buyers are sitting on the sidelines and not making the decision to invest and yet here we are in a situation where rents are increasing um, at a pace, you know, at a pace that we've not seen for for so many years, and in fact, I'd argue, you know, we haven't seen these sorts of rents increases ever. Um, but without some pretty solid um, contributions to the supply side of things, I can't see those rents slowing down. Jonathan, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. I um, all my investors, I have investors all over Australia, and they all can't believe the yields they get in in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's, like I said, savvy investors, I think, take a, take advantage of these yields and these opportunities. And I've, um, yeah, like, yeah, I think New South Wales and Victoria, you'd never get the yields that you would get here. Mm. So we always get asked this, you know, and I'll ask it myself because <laughs> we always get asked to have a look in that crystal ball and have a look at the future. What do you see? Yeah. What do you see for Brisbane in the next five, sort of 10 years? Yeah. And um, on the rental side of it, that is. And are your investors talking about the Olympics? Do yeah. they talk about that now on the investment side of it? They want to rent more properties. They want to buy more properties and invest. Yeah, I think anyone who owns a property in Brisbane um, for the next decade has won the jackpot, to be honest. I think yields are really strong. I think capital growth will continue um, to outperform other capital cities. So um, for the next five years, I think that um, rents will continue to increase. I think people will just get used to the new pricing. Um, people who can't afford it will f- move further out of the city mm-hmm. or they'll move into townhouses and apartments. So I think what we've seen over the last 12 months will compound over the next decade. And I, as I said you know, earlier, I think that you know, the, the rate of rent increase um, will be limited in some areas by the demographic and affordability constraints. Um, but of course, you know, not all areas have the same demographic group. So again, uh, when you are selecting an investment property, it is about understanding location, demographics, incomes, because everything's relative to affordability. And there will become a, a point where in some areas, you know, people just can't afford to pay more rent. So that'll that'll put a cap on it. But in other areas where people are on much higher incomes, that the rent growth will continue to escalate based on supply and demand metrics. So all good um, information and and fantastic, uh, you know, stats that you've shared today. It's it's great for our listeners to get a broad overview of what you're seeing on the ground in the rental market. So if people are after... A, uh, a property manager, how do they get in contact? Yeah, awesome. Um, so we're on all the platforms. So our website's www.bellestateagents.com.au. Um, if you if you Google Jonathan Bell, it should come up as well. Um, or we're on the socials as well. Yeah, and you've got a good team there working. So yeah. recommend them for people to have a chat if you're looking um, for that sort of service as well. Um, look, I, I'll been a good chat today. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, guys. Um, I will, as usual, let Melinda wrap it up. Um, as we've mentioned before, don't forget to leave us a... Um, a rating and a review on iTunes. If you can do that, that'd be awesome. And um, I'll let Melinda wrap it up. It's been good talking and um, we'll talk next week. Thanks very much for listening. Bye for now. Jonathan, thank you so much for all of your intel today. It's been great having you on the podcast again. Thanks so much. 
Um, as always, everybody, as Scott said, we would love if you could share this podcast with friends and family. Please leave us a review if you enjoy the content. And um, as always, we hope you have a fabulous week and we look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.